Okay, Black Bart, now you get yours. Oh my God, I shot my eye out. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. You'll shoot your eye out. Oh, oh, oh. Welcome to Killer Casting. I'm Lisa Zambetti. I'm a casting director in Los Angeles. I cast TV shows, movies, video games, commercials, anything under the sun. I'm here with my two sexy beasts, Brian Allen Hill and Dean Laffin. So we are here to talk about Killer Cast, Killer Casting, but specifically today is our holiday show because it is the time of year so guys happy holidays what a strange year and what a strange holiday it's gonna be and i want to talk about that so i know usually for the holidays i know brian usually hits the road out of la and goes to texas is that happening this year I would typically be in Texas for the holidays, but uh, with the pandemic still kind of raging, it just makes sense to stay at home this year. Just take the hit and uh, go back uh, next year. And Dino, how, how do you how do y'all do it down there in Australia? Well, it's it's a bit weird because, of course, th- Christmas is sort of global in that it's Santa in a big red suit and sleighs and uh, reindeer as if it were cold. But, of course, in Australia, in December, it's hot as hell. That's our bushfire season, right? So typically the Aussie traditional Christmas is, and we do all the stuff that the Brits do and that you guys do. It's roast, it's roast meat, roast potatoes and all that sort of stuff. And it's 40 degrees C. So everybody's sweating. So it's a bit different. So I've lived all over the U.S. and abroad during the holidays, and I I always love it where I'm in a a really cold place. Lived in London and in Denver. It's awesome to be there during the holidays or in New York. It's really magical. But in LA, of course, it's very sunny and beautiful outside and it's hard to start. Although I am wearing a sweater because it's it's only 75 degrees and that's that's cold for us. But normally, as Brian knows, we load up the car and we drive to Northern California to the Bay Area where we snuggle into my mom's house, which as Brian knows, she's constantly cooking and baking and naughty things are being set out on the table at all times and we just love to be snuggling up on the couch and watching watching movies and watching all kinds of things usually I'm able to get a bunch of screeners that the studios and networks and such send me copies of movies that are going to be nominated for awards nominated for Oscars so it's kind of great I get to share that with my family but this year we're going to stay here in LA and just hunker down so and I imagine that's true for many many people this year but I still want to to do a holiday show because this time of year, unless you're an essential worker and you have to be out there fighting the good fight, you're going to be home with the kids. When my sister and I used to come home from college, we would love just hunkering down with my mom and drinking tea and eating fudge and and watching TV and, and catching up on shows and binging things. So I wanted to know what, from the minds of Dean and Brian, their favorite holiday shows are, whatever that means to them. And I wanted to share some with you, some 
some things you may not have checked out yet. Some things may be old favorites. So I wanted to hear what everybody has. So I thought maybe we could just kind of do round robin. Brian, why don't you kick us off? I think I'm stuck in the 70s. Like that was, that was when I was really enjoying Christmas entertainment. Every year, the ritual of the Rankin Bass stop animation oh, um, yes. episodes. Yes. So great. I just loved them. They were so great. I'll go with my all time favorite first, which is the original Grinch Who Stole Christmas, Boris Karloff, Chuck Jones animation. I have a boatload of resentment towards anybody affiliated with any of the live action or the new musical coming out. If you cannot touch perfection, Boris Karloff and that score and that animation, that's all you need. And everything else is fucking garbage. Ho, ho, ho. And the more the Grinch thought of this whole Christmas thing, the more the Grinch thought, I must stop this whole thing. Why, for 53 years, I put up with it now. I must stop Christmas from coming. But how? Then he got an idea. An awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. just what to do. The Grinch laughed in his throat. I'll make a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat. And he chuckled and clucked. What a great Grinchy trick. With this coat and this hat, I look just like Saint Nick. That cartoon was on the other was on the other day. I dropped in like right there and I sat down and watched the whole thing. I love it. Yeah, it, some of these things you can't once they're on, you you cannot turn them off. So I, I heartily agree. I give a thumbs up to the Grinch, the original Grinch who stole Christmas. Uh all of those actually, all of those Dr. Seuss stories are so wonderful. Dean, what about you? What's your next pick? All right, well, first of all, for me, I need to just put my cards on the table in terms of Christmas. I'm I'm not a Grinch. It's not that I hate Christmas. <laughs> it's not like that. But some people take Christmas, oh, well, to me, anyone that's, like, excited about Christmas, that's taking Christmas over the top. So, for example, my beautiful wife loves Christmas. She loves everything about it, and particularly when it comes to film and TV, there is no hallmark piece of crap that's ever been made that is bad enough for her to turn off. I'm not kidding. She is in seventh heaven if she's on the floor upstairs in our uh, parent retreat place with on the floor with presents, paper, and she will wrap and wrap and wrap watching whatever. So I could come up and there'll be some romance Christmas rom-com with you know, a couple of hack actors that were maybe halfway famous 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh, you're watching this, are you? She's like, yeah. I go, oh, how long's it got to go? Oh, it's just started. It's two hours. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go downstairs and I'm going to go and slam my dick in the car door because that would... <laughs> That would probably, for two hours, repeatedly. Ho, ho, Because that would probably be less painful and more fun than sitting on the couch watching this dross. I'm not a I'll take anything kind of guy. Now that said, I love the classics. A Wonderful Life, 
Fantastic. All right. Uh, a Christmas Story. Ralphie and his BB gun. Right. Fantastic. And even the modern classics I'm up for. Die Hard, of course, and other Christmas movies. But there's a few that I keep returning to that I love. And the first one would be Bad Santa. So if you oh, like... I've, so never, I've never seen that, but so If you like your Christmas with a touch of Lorne Malvo, then uh, who was, of course, in the first series of Fargo, Billy Bob Thornton in Bad Santa is absolutely hilarious and crude as hell but it's got a really good heart and it was actually the last film ever made by John Ritter he died just just oh. after they wrapped production on this oh. and he's brilliant in this he's Brian have you seen it oh yeah of course I love it yeah Bad Santa is, is one of my perennial favorites a couple of days ago I was in uh, women's big and tall and uh, I heard these <clears throat> um you know, these noises. And I heard a woman screaming, yeah, oh yeah. And I heard his voice saying, that's right. You ain't going to SHIT right for a month. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I I'm, was against the Clinton impeachment. What a man does with his own penis, Oval Office, women's big and tall. It's not for the American people to say. You're right. I think perhaps someone who has screaming orgasms with large women shouldn't. Yeah. Of course, I can't fire him for that. Oh, yeah. Unfair practices. I just can't help it. There's something about the guy that makes me uneasy. Well, sure. So maybe there's something I could fire him for. Yeah, I'll get you. Do you? Do you think you could find something? Shit, yeah. Well, and the great thing, too, about Bad Santa is that the progression of the lead character, of Billy Bob Thornton's character, is pretty organic. He still remains a curmudgeon pretty much through to the end, but he does warm up and does see the spirit of Christmas in a really natural way that doesn't give away the teeth of the movie, which is so great. And right after you watch that, you should watch John Ritter and Billy Bob in another movie they made together, which is... Sling Blade. I'm all for binging. I'm all for, like or being a completist about an actor. So um, you should definitely watch that. Everybody always knows about the tried and true Christmas movies. Like you said, It's a Wonderful Life and Christmas Story. Now I can handle all the Hallmark treacle. That doesn't bother me because you can have it on and you can be vacuuming. You could be wrapping presents and it's just on. But there's one Christmas movie that I can't abide. I won't. And that is A Christmas Carol because when I was an actor, I was in the Brian knows what I'm going to say. I was in the stage play of A Christmas Carol, which every major city in the United States does this at Christmas time. So I was in a repertory theater production of it at the Denver Center. And the thing is, when you're in A Christmas Carol, it's a cash cow for whatever theater is putting it on because you can do eight shows a week. That means Wednesday doubles with matinees. And Saturday doubles, and I think we actually did Sunday doubles too. I was little Belinda Cratchit, who is, Papa, Papa, (laughs) are you home, Tiny Tim, blah, blah, blah. And there's only so many times you can fucking cry over Tiny Tim. I'm sorry. And you start doing the show at Thanksgiving, and you do it all the way through until January 6th. And at the end of that, you're just ready to just murder each other when you're in a show that long. Anyway, so Christmas Carol's out for me. But one movie that I think still holds up and has a fantastic cast is Scrooged. So if you haven't seen Scrooge with Bill Murray, 
I think it's definitely worth checking out. You have Karen Allen. You have a really wacky cast with Carol Kane and Alfre Woodard's in it. Jamie Farr, Robert Goulet. I mean, it's just a really fun cast. You know, in a lot of ways, I think we're a little bit late. Sir, Merry Christmas. Thanks for the talk. Thank you. We don't want to scare the dickens out of people. Merry Christmas, Miss Cooley. The dickens out of people. Nobody gets it. Grace, who is that guy? Elliot Loudermilk. Okay. Call security. Have them change his locks, clean out his desk, and toss him out of the building. Oh, he's fired? It's Christmas. Thank you. Call accounting. Stop his bonus. Elliot Loudermilk. Code nine. Grace, what in the hell is this? Well, that's a painting one of my kids did. There's Santa Claus and there's Mrs. Claus. Honey, how many fingers does Mrs. Santa Claus have here? Eleven. Eleven. Right. It's crap. Lose it. I don't want it on the wall. So, yeah, the boys haven't seen that one yet, but we're definitely going to hunker down and, and watch that. Because I'm with you on the Christmas Carol thing. I'm very happy to report that I have never seen a stage production of A Christmas Carol <laughs> because of all the people I know in theater who have had to do that production, either crew or cast. It's like, nah, I don't have any desire to see it. But I will say the George C. Scott Christmas Carol that CBS did, like this was in the mid 80s, was so fantastic. I haven't seen that movie. I don't know if it holds up, but just fantastic. And I think more true to the story, it was great, but it's not on my list. Okay. So Brian, do you have another one to throw at us? I do. This is, okay. So here's the caveat. It's a holiday movie. It's not a specifically a Christmas movie, but it's kind of one of my go-to holiday movies and it's uh, home for the holidays. It's Holly Hunter directed by, um, what's your face? Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. That's a movie I could just watch every year. It doesn't get old. And I got to say, Anne Bancroft and Charles Durning as the parents make me laugh. Cynthia Stevenson, like every role is just, Steve Gutenberg is great in this. You know, the kids are great. Robert Downey Jr. The relationships are so well drawn. It's so relatable. There's a scene where Holly Hunter's getting picked up from the airport by her parents and she's in the backseat of the car in a coat that her mother gave her that is awful. It's awful style. Like she's this stylish New York lady and she has to wear this quilted pink monstrosity. It like engulfs her and she looks at the next car over and there's a guy about her age also in the backseat with his parents up front and he turns and looks at her with dead eyes and they just kind of share this moment of recognition. It's just like, oh yeah, I recognize that. It is fabulous as a holiday movie. Hey, you guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, please go over and give us a positive six-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Plus, if you know someone who would like the show, please send them a link. Sharing is caring. And now back to the show. Now, I've never seen that movie, but I've heard that it's really good. So that's on my list. Okay, so Dean, do you have another one for us? Yes, I do. And uh, this one is, it's a fairly obvious one, but it's a classic for a reason. And I'm talking, of course, about the amazing Lampoon Christmas. So <laughs> what are you laughing at? Never seen it. Ha never gonna. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Okay, let me tell you. Let, let, let me just tell you about this movie, okay? Written by the great John Hughes, 
from a short story that he originally wrote for the magazine. Now, he was in that ridiculous, prolific phase that he was in, and I went to IMDb to make sure I got all the films that I'm about to mention, and then I realised I don't have time to mention them all. So, just prior to making this, he made 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, and Uncle Buck. In three years, he wrote all of that and then did this, right? And then the next year after this, he released a little film called Home Alone. So he was in his absolute and utter pomp when he did this. Just absolutely amazing. And by the way, I'm not so keen on this, but he also wrote the remake of Miracle on 34th Street with Richard Attenborough and Dylan McDermott, etc. So anyway, back to the film... There are so many classic lines out of this film. It's just not funny. If you're having Christmas and you say, shitter is full, you either know that line or you don't know that line from the crazy, crazy Randy Quaid. It's it's got a killer cast. Chevy Chase, of course. uh, Julia, very young Juliette Lewis. Crazy Randy Quaid. um, The great uh, William Hickey. uh, Oh, Bill Hickey. Love Bill Hickey. If you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood Sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah. Holy shit. Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown, four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on, and we're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap danced with Danny fucking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney tonight, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nuthouse. The music's by Angelo Battlementi, the guy that did the music for Twin Peaks. And it features Darlene Love's Christmas Baby Please Come Home. And I don't know why they needed to re-record it for this, but they did because it's not like Phil Spector didn't do a good enough job on the original. Uh, so she re-records the song, and it's produced by Prince. Prince produced the recording of this. It's, it's funny as hell. There are so many great scenes, great cameos, great setups. There's a, a young, um, uh, uh, what's her name, the next-door neighbours are... Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, that's it. Yep. And the whole thing, it's weird when you look at it, it was shot entirely on the Warner Brothers backlot in Bourbon and one snow scene in, in Colorado, but... It, um, it doesn't look like it. And in fact, the house that they use for this, Chevy Chase tells the story of when he turns up for the first day of shooting, there was a toilet on the front lawn of the house. And they're like, what's with the toilet on the front lawn? And the guy goes, oh, that was the film that just wrapped the other day. We'll, cl- we'll clean it up, get it out. That was Lethal Weapon. You know the scene where Danny Glover is on the... <laughs> And the funny thing was, so one of the characters in there, the son is called Rusty, and it's played by a guy. And I'm thinking, I've seen the movie so many times. I'm going, oh, well, I've I've never seen that kid again. He went nowhere. Getting ready for this. It turns out he's a guy called 
Johnny Galecki. Oh, love Johnny. Right. From Big, from Big Bang Theory, <laughs> Big folks, Bang. I, if you don't. Well, yeah. I've never seen it. I've never seen the, the show Big Bang. And so I'm like, oh, that kid. And now apparently he's worth like, you know, $4 trillion and um, he's in Big Bang. So that was good. <laughs> and as a final little f- factoid on this, considering that we're, we're mentioning, you know, Christmas movies and I'm putting this out there as one of my favourites. Would you believe that the second AD on Christmas Vacation was Frank Capra the third? Really? Yeah, Frank Capra, wow. of course, who did It's a Wonderful Life. So there you go, from, from the past to the future or the present. That is a deep dive, my friend. That's a deep dive. Okay, so moving on. So this, for me, if you're Italian, this is definitely a holiday movie that will be in rotation during the holidays. And when it's on, I cannot turn it off. And that is Godfather 1 and 2. And it's especially significant this season because it is the 30th anniversary of Godfather so-called 3. And, of course, there is a new version of Godfather 3 called Godfather Coded the Death of Michael Corleone, which has dropped just in the last couple of days. Um, You can get it on Prime Video. You can rent it on Prime Video and a couple other places, but I'm definitely going to be watching that. I know, Dean, you are going to be watching that, and I would love to talk about it after everybody sees it and see how it all fits together now. Michael, you know Vincent Mancini? Sonny's boy. How you doing, Mr. Corleone? How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Good party. Oh, you like it? Yeah, I had to sneak in. You dressed for it. So, what's the trouble between you and Mr. Joseph? Just trouble. I'll take care of it. It's foolish of you. Foolish of me? He's a little foolish to this guy, don't you think? Right? Right! Kemper like his father. I'm not here to ask you for any kind of help. I could just kill this bastard. He's the one who needs the help. So kill him. What does all this have to do with me? Well, he's going on behind your back saying fuck Michael Corleone all the time. That's it. That's one thing it has to do with you, right? Say it to his face. One time. Say it to his face. One time! Mr. Corleone, all bastards are liars. Shakespeare wrote poems about it. What am I going to do with this guy? What am I going to do with this guy? Hey, I don't know about you, but I am a podcast addict. I love listening to my pods. But there's one small problem. They're only one-way communication But fear not, dear listener, because thanks to technology, we can have a conversation. You can find us on all the usual socials, on Facebook, Insta, and Twitter, and YouTube, and we'll look forward to meeting you in the virtual space. Seems fitting for 2020. All right, later. So folks, if you go out there and and you see Godfather 3 on Netflix and such and such, that's not this version. It definitely, you need to make sure that it's the 2020 coda, Death of Michael Corleone. And why did he do this? Why do you think that he put this together? He was unhappy with the interference from the studio uh, in terms of how it was going to be, what it was going to be titled, how it was going to be marketed. He didn't really want to do the second one, and he certainly didn't want to do the third one, but they were going to give it to... They were going to do it without him or not. When they approached him and said, look, we're going to do three, whether you like it or not. Do you know who was in the frame to star and I think, and possibly direct? Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) So no wonder he's like, (laughs) and somebody else that was just totally, you just went, are you kidding? And he must have just looked at it and gone, oh God, okay, I'll have to saddle up again. 
I was going to say, speaking of his daughter, I thought that Winona Ryder was at first going to be playing that role, and then she fell out at the last minute, and so he put in Sophia. Is that true? Yeah. Winona was all lined up for it, and then I don't know what happened to make her drop out, but she did, and they were struggling to cast it, and infamously, he cast Sophia. But in an, an interview that I read with him just recently about the release of Coda, although he didn't say it, a lot of it was driven by, it seems, by his paternal protection. He wanted to produce a version of the film that restored Sophia's reputation because he felt that she was unfairly criticised. And so he mentions quite a bit about, from this you'll see her performance is actually blah, 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 quite good and so on and so forth. The story that I heard is that all of her lines were dubbed over. Oh, I've never really? heard that. She grew up in, like, she had a really significant valley, and so they dubbed in her voice, which, if you watch it, you can kind of hear that. So I haven't seen it since I saw it on Christmas Day 30 years ago, but that's what I remember of her performances is it was like, Dad! I mean, it did sound, so I don't know if the person who even dubbed it. Actually, it's funny. I'm a huge Godfather fan. I've got all three on Blu-ray. I've seen them multiple times. I've read the book multiple times. The third one was the first one I saw. I hadn't seen one and two before I saw the third one. Oh, wow. And I saw it in the theater. (laughs) I love doing that. I do that all the time. I see the last thing and go back, yeah. So I don't have the same kind of animosity that so many fans do about three because my feeling is, is that if it had been made a couple years After two, I thought it would have been a perfect capper to the story, but because there was such a gulf, and in that gulf, so many great mob and mafia films had been made in that interval, it was just another offering. It didn't have the same mystique that it did back in the 70s. But also people's expectations then, right? After all that time, it's like, oh, they're making a third Godfather. Wow. And as as we just discussed, Francis didn't even want to make it. He considered the story finished. So then- Rather than let Stallone or someone else take the helm, he's like, okay, well, if we're going to do it, how do we do this? And what's it about? And how does it work? And as I've said on previous pods, I loved it from the get-go and having seen one and two together. In fact, I screened uh, one and two at school. We used to do after-school screenings in 16 mil and we had a, a version of that. Great. Well, we will round back and talk about it. Okay, Brian, what's your next pick? This is a movie that has been mentioned And I actually only saw the entire film for the first time about two years ago. But in my estimation, now, okay, so this is coming from a noted curmudgeon, probably still an angry young man, uh, even though I'm close to 50. So it might be a little bit surprising. But in my estimation, It's a Wonderful Life is a perfect movie. It is a perfect movie from beginning to end. There are few films that can touch it just in terms of the quality of the of the script, of the acting, the story, all of it. I just love it. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I don't want any. Maybe we've got to find that money. I've no good deal. Uncle Billy, look, I, you realize what's going to happen if we don't find it? Listen to me. Do you have any secret hiding place here in the house? Someplace you would have, someplace you hide the money. I've come over the whole house, even in rooms that have been licensed since that lost law. Listen, listen to me. Think, think. I can't think, think. anymore, George. I can't think anymore. It hurts. Where's that money, you silly, stupid old fool? Where's that money? You realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. That's what it means. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. 
I just think it's absolutely perfect. And it makes me cry every time. Because I've watched it since then a bunch. You know, I try to make it now an annual thing. And especially now that it's, you know, online with my cable service or whatever, they have holiday offerings and it's right there. And I remember as a kid, like they would play it every day, like different channels had access to it. And so they would play it ad nauseum. You're just like, what the fuck is, can we just play something? Let's get some more animation. I mean, I was a kid, you know, but once I sat down and watched it from like stem to stern, it is flawless. It is just a thing of beauty. And I, I just adore that movie. It's just amazing how the humor holds up. When was it made? What it was after, it was made after the war, so like 47, 47, 48, something like that. But it doesn't feel it's just it's truly a classic. I mean, it just is the definition of a classic. Okay, Dean, you have another one for us? Yeah, I do. And just to maybe restore my reputation with the listeners of uh, my anti-grouch I'll go with something that's just it's not the greatest film ever made but it's just a bunch of fun I love alternative Christmas movies and the Europeans do this particularly well there's a couple of very dark films that have been put out over the years like um, Krampus uh, with a K and Rare Exports which is the basically horror films with a Christmas theme because Santa as a concept in mythology he wasn't necessarily a nice guy right it was like you better be good you better be good or else, right? And so they take that into very dark places. But for my third one, I'm going to go with something that is just a bunch of fun, as I said, and it's carried on the performance of the lead casting. I don't know, you guys are casting directors. Tell me if anyone else could have pulled this movie off, and I'm talking about Elf. Have you both seen it? Yes. I have. Yes, yeah. long time ago. It's just unbridled joy from start to finish. It's got some fantastic cameos and the casting. It's just a film that comes on and you, by the time it's finished, you are happy, you're bouncing around, you're laughing, it's sweet, and it's just a, yeah, it's just amazing. It's one of my wife's favourites. It's one that she turned me on to and I went, you know what, <laughs> this one works. <laughs> Who the heck are you? What are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Why, of course I am. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? <laughs> no, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're going to have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. I think that's the movie that kind of launched Will Ferrell. That was the turning point. Because then after that, you had old school. Then you had like a sequence of hits. But prior to that, he was still just kind of, yeah, sketch player on SNL. And Zoe Deschanel was in that too. Yeah, Zoe Deschanel, of course. James, the, the great James Kahn was his dad. And then you've got um, uh, Papa Elfers, Bob Newhart. You've got Ed Asner, Mary Steenburgen, Peter Dinklage in, in an early role as well. He's great. He's, he's, what a great role that is, right? Uh, and Amy Sedaris. Yeah, yeah it's, it's killer cast, great script, but it revolves around Will's ability to pull that movie off, which he does. Okay, so moving along. So the, my next pick, it's really in a category of corsets and petticoats. It's not necessarily about Christmas, but this is the perfect time of year to snuggle up with some biscuits and hot tea and watch uh, a marathon 
of Little Women. I love the 2019 Greta Gerwig version of it with Shirsa Ronan, Florence Pugh, and Laura Dern. It's wonderful. I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sister's. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe? To be a famous writer. Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says it. My girls have a way of getting into mischief. Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. I intend to make my own way in the world. No one makes their own way. Least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. You are not married, aren't you? Well, that's because I'm rich. And back to back, I would go back and watch the 1949 version that's got Janet Lee, Elizabeth Taylor, June Allison. I just love comparing that. At the same time, another corset and petticoat marathon. My sister and I could watch this over and over again. Pride and Prejudice, 1995, Jennifer Ailey and Colin Firth. In vain, I have struggled. It will not do. My feelings will not be repressed. You must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. In declaring myself thus, I am fully aware that I will be going expressly against the wishes of my family, my friends, and I hardly need add my own better judgment. The relative situation of our families is such that any alliance between us must be regarded as a highly reprehensible connection. Indeed, as a rational man, I cannot but regard it as such myself, but it cannot be helped. Almost from the earliest moments of our acquaintance, I have come to feel for you a passionate admiration and regard, which despite all my struggles has overcome every rational objection, and I beg you most fervently to relieve my suffering and consent to be my wife. In such cases as these, I believe the established mode is to express a sense of obligation. But I cannot. I have never desired your good opinion, and you have certainly bestowed it most unwillingly. I'm sorry to cause pain to anyone, but it was most unconsciously done, and I hope will be of short duration. I mean... Come on. It does not get any better than that, I have to say. Okay. I know, Brian, those aren't on your, the top of your list. Anyway, so any any other ones, guys, you want to talk about? To be honest, uh, I, I'm probably never going to watch those movies on. Well, they're not <laughs> for myself. you. They're, they're not no, for I don't, you. No, I don't. Exactly. <laughs> we'll be watching Die Hard. Yes, I'm just, exactly. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Uh-huh. And I, think, <laughs> and I think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I know there's some stupid controversy out there, whether it is or isn't. I definitely think it is. Oh, cut. Is the, those people, you just don't need those people in your life that say that, Lisa. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. All right. Any others you guys want to mention? Because then I just want to mention a couple that I I want to see, and I just want to amplify them, put them out there. You mentioning going up north for the holidays. The 
Second time I lived in LA, obviously Lisa, being one of my best friends, took me in and gave me a room and and I kind of watched the house while they went up north. And it just so happened to coincide with the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. And I had always been confused by Doctor Who as a kid because every time I saw it on PBS, there was always somebody different playing him. And I was like, well, what the hell is this? I don't get it. And plus it looked cheap. And I was just like, eh. But they had all these kind of retrospective episodes and behind the scenes stuff. So I kind of got hooked into that. And then I became a fan and started watching Netflix and the early modern episodes. Rory, listen, she's not dead. Well, she is dead, but it's not the end of the world. Well, it is the end of the world. Actually, it's the end of the universe. Oh, no, hang on. Doctor, you need to get me out of the Pandorica. But you're not in the Pandorica. Yes, I am. Well, I'm not now, but I was back then. Well, back now from your point of view, which is back then from my point of view. Time travel, you can't keep it straight in your head. It's easy to open from the outside. Just point and press. Now go. The Doctor Who holiday episodes are must-watch. I just love that as a ritual. That's a great idea. I forgot about that. Yeah, those are great. Who was your favorite Doctor Who? I think I know who it is. Matt Smith, yeah. Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. Matt Smith. Um, other than the dark uh, European uh, kind of stuff, I would also give a shout out to some Stone Cold classics. The Charlie Brown original Christmas special is just absolutely beautiful. If you don't like that, yep. I don't want to know you. And also um, the Muppet version of A Christmas Carol. I could watch that over With Michael Caine. With Michael Caine, yeah. So good. So there's a couple of uh, extras from me. Yeah, we always play the Peanuts Christmas Carol music. The whole that soundtrack is so great to play in the background when you're opening oh, yeah, presents. For sure. It's just so much fun. Now, if you just want pure decadence, if you just want to lay on your couch and feel absolutely like pure visual comfort, I highly recommend going on YouTube and watching all of Nigella Lawson's Christmas specials where she's, it's Christmas Kitchen, simply my Nigella Christmas specials one and two. She, if, uh, Brian's looking at me like, who the fuck is that? Do you not know her, Brian? No. Oh my God. Nigella Lawson is a very famous chef cook. She's got a million cooking shows on and a million books out there. And she's just like, so- uh- like Bobby Flay? Uh, probably the antithesis of Bobby Flay. I would so much rather be in the kitchen making presents than in the hell of the shops queuing up to buy them. And I have to say, although I'm not normally keen on the sort of picture pretty, I have been totally overwhelmed by the lure of the cute in the form of my Christmas Poudini bonbons. I mean, you can tell I've gone by the name I've given them. You start off with some cooked and cooled Christmas pudding. You can either buy a little one early, or you can breathe new life into last year's. Let's crumble that into a bowl. Now we need some dark chocolate. Let that melt while I pour over one of my favorite ingredients, some Pedro Jimenez. Pedro Jimenez, I think I've made it clear I'm not a Spanish speaker is a particular grape variety. And what it produces is a sherry that is so rich and raisiny and dark and treacly. Look at it. If you don't get that, just use sweet sherry. Can't promise it'll be the same, but it'll still work. And then small-ish amount of gorgeous oozy golden syrup. 
She's just so voluptuous and sensual and cheeky. I had a stressed out day a couple weeks ago and I was just laying on the couch and I just marathoned through anything she's doing and you will just feel so taken care of and good about yourself. So I highly recommend that and British Baking Show, the holiday versions of it. It's just pure delight. delight. I just looked her up and I have never seen her human face in my entire life. Wow. Not once. That's amazing. And she's she's just beautiful. Her voice is beautiful. Her face is beautiful. Her clothes are beautiful. Everything is just pure pleasure. All right. So wrapping this up, what I noticed when I was looking up just to kind of jog my memory, you know, best Christmas specials, best holiday specials, it struck me that everything I was looking up was very white. Like there was zero representation of anything else. And and I really want to not do that. I want to watch things that are are not just my go-to and, and see other representations and just have more diversity in my life. So I definitely want to watch a movie that's called Tangerine. I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, James Ranson is in it, and it was it was nominated for a bunch of a bunch of awards a few years ago. But it's about a hooker that tears through Tinseltown on on Christmas Eve to find the person who broke her heart. So I, I want to watch that. I also want to watch something that's called This Christmas, which has Idris Elba, Delroy Lindo, Loretta Devine, Regina King. I want to watch that. Uh, and there's also a Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert with John Legend. Sarah Boreas, Alice Cooper is Herod. Look up other things that you haven't watched. There are just a ton out there. There's Last Holiday with Queen Latifah, Almost Christmas with Danny Glover and J.B. Smooth. So that's what's on my Christmas list to watch over the holidays. Nice. So that is our holiday extravaganza. Um, we know it's been a tough year for everybody. Keep your heads up. Eyes forward, 2021 is almost here. Thanks for listening. We want to thank all the essential workers. Thanks for all the people on the front lines who are doing the Lord's work, as we say in Texas. So thank you for that. And join us for the next pod where we will do a overview of entertainment that we enjoyed in 2020 and a look forward to what is on the horizon in 2021. Have a great holiday season. Happy holidays, everyone. Killer Casting is a concept created and produced by me, Lisa Zambetti, with audio engineering by Dean Laffin, logo art by the lovely April Laffin, website and big old fat opinions courtesy of Ryan Allen Hill. 